Good morning, church. Would you stand with us and worship together?
this time that we have together, church. Are you glad to be here? You're glad to be joining. If you're joining with us online, thank you so much for joining with us. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Lord is uniting us together. No matter where we are or what is going on, the Lord is with us and he is near us. And we can turn to him and find hope and find peace, find rest in this time, find comfort that is true and is real today. Well, welcome to friends. If you if this is your first time, we're glad that you've, you've joined us either here in the room or online. We'd love to connect with you. Um, come and talk to us and we'd love to get to know you and build a relationship with you. But as we continue here together in this time, let's read and remember these words from Psalm 30. Would you read this with me? I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Let's worship the Lord.
Just 
Amen. Father, would you come this morning in all your power and majesty, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Would, Lord, be in this building through the power of your spirit. Minister to us. Speak to us. Lord, reveal your word and your truth to us this morning. And, Lord, help us to respond as those, Lord, who follow you, love you, have given our lives for you, claim to be your children. And, Lord, may this day be a day where we are changed and transformed because we've heard from you. And it's that precious, powerful name of Jesus that we come and we worship. Amen. 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 You may be seated, and if you're at home watching or wherever you're watching, it's good to get comfortable. We welcome you here at Friends. I am Steve, one of the pastors on staff, and it is great to be with you today on, you know, this is November 1st, right? 
We're 10 twelfths of the way through 2020. Yay. <laughs> and uh, if you don't believe it's November yet, I understand all you got to do is wait to about four or five o'clock this afternoon. And there's supposed to be some of those white things coming from the sky that will remind us that we are indeed in the middle of November. And of course, as we roll into November, a lot of things begin to happen in the church calendar and of course in our nation. And this week, uh, Tuesday, of course, is a huge day and, and we will be voting and electing our new leaders. But as a church, we continue to move forward. Move forward in our call to love, to live, and to lead. We believe these three aspects will lead us, and as we respond to those, we will be the people that God has called us to be here at French Church, in our community, and around the world. And so I encourage you to join us as we continue to follow and to hear what God has to say. And of course, if you've been here the last few weeks, and especially through October, you realize that our first step, it was something that we consider to be most important, critical here at French Church, and for Christians and for all who call the name of the Lord, the Lord and of our lives, is that we love Jesus. We love Jesus. You know, we love him because he first loved us. We loved him because God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and we have eternal life. There are all kinds of reasons why I love Jesus. I hope maybe you take time and think about why do I love Jesus? Maybe make a list this week of why I love Jesus. But, there, but Jesus has done so much, not just in giving us eternal life, but in coming and living in us and to, and to creating us, transforming us a new being through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we live that life out. We, we love Jesus and we demonstrate it. We demonstrate our love for Jesus by living for Jesus. We want to live like Jesus. And last week in part one of living like Jesus, we talked about what that means. We talked about how that means, according to Jesus, to come and deny yourself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer made the statement that when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's not something you see on a political poster. <laughs> Come join me and die. <laughs> Vote for me and die. But Jesus Christ says, "Come and die." And of course he doesn't mean a physical death, but it's a death to self. It's a death to that person we used to be and we talked about how we chip away those things that aren't like Christ. Those those self-sins, of selfishness, of self-centeredness, and we become more and more like Christ so that we can live like Christ. But when we examine the life of Christ, there is more than just dying, right? <laughs> Jesus did so much more than just die. If, he, if all Jesus needed to do was die, he could have come, dropped down from heaven, lived here four days and gone and given his life and died and gone on a cross and it was over. If that's all there was. But Jesus Christ also lived. And if you notice, I've noticed as I study the word and as I look at the life of Jesus, Jesus did some pretty cool things while he was on earth. Didn't he? Didn't he do some pretty cool things? He walked on water. He walked on water. I've water skied, which is kind of like walking on water. But Jesus did it without props. <laughs> he didn't need props. He didn't need, he didn't need ice. 
In fact, he not only walked on water, but he took water and he turned it into wine. How, boy, kids, how would you like to, how would like to ch- turn your vegetables into chocolate? <laughs> I want to live like Jesus. I just want to turn food into, I want to turn stuff. Yeah. yeah. He not only walked on water and, 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 and changed the water, but he calmed the water. He calmed a storm just by his word. Took a storm and took authority over nature. That's what Jesus did. But Jesus didn't stop there. He healed people. He healed the blind man, the leper, the lame, the woman bleeding, the deaf. Jesus went about healing. He even says in the scripture, we see time and time again, he casts out demons. I'm not sure that's a, I don't, I'm not sure I want to really be like Jesus in that way. I, I've talked to people who have been involved in those situations, and that can be some scary situations. But with the power of God, that would be okay. He also raised people from the dead. Huh? He fed 5,000 people with a lunch. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be cool to call up a caterer and tell them, I'm planning a party for 5,000 people? And their eyes get big and say, oh, what do you need? He says, well, I need a, a couple salmon and a little bit of bread, maybe five loaves. Just give me that, I'll take care of the rest. (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool? And of course, he rose from the dead. There's so many other things Jesus did too. And unfortunately, when we talk about live like Jesus, I I can't do everything that Jesus did. And I'm guessing you can't either. And so we got to learn from what scripture reveals to us, a little bit about how Jesus did what he did and what that might speak to us and what we need to do. And one of the things I've noticed about Jesus, everything I just mentioned to you was not done behind a computer screen alone in his corner of his house. It wasn't done in in some solitary place writing down and, and sending out. So here's what you should do to people. Now, Jesus spent solitary time, and he spent time in prayer. But when he was in ministry, we see all through the Scripture that he is, he's engaging people. He's engaging his disciples, his, his apostles, and then the greater disciples, and then others who would follow him. He's engaging the crowds of many people and even the religious leaders. Ministry does not take place in a vacuum. Ministry does not take place in, alone in a room, but ministry takes place amongst the people. And we see in Mark chapter 3, where we are to start this morning, Mark chapter 3, we see one of these occasions where Jesus is ministering. And we see the people and the place where he is. And he's gathered or surrounded by Followers. He's in, a, he's in a home, and he's in this home, and people are packed in. They are packed in close. They're, they're, you, know, there's, you, know, you probably can't get in and out very easily. They're not socially distancing. <laughs> they're not wearing masks. They are, they are in there because they want to hear the master because Jesus has been out doing some pretty amazing things. And we come to Mark 3, 31 with his disciples and all those around him, the crowd and the religious leaders, 
And he's preaching and teaching. In verse 31, it says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone to call him. A crowd was sitting around him. They told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Now we need to stop there and just talk about what's going on. I said, they're, they're crowded. And you know, when you're crowded, the, the, it's hard to get through. And the way this is worded is kind of like the person they told, told someone else. And he says, hey, tell the master, tell Jesus his family's here. And they say, okay, you tell. And they, it gets passed on, passed on, passed on. Finally, the people up front are saying, Jesus, Jesus, your family's here. Your mom's here. Your brothers are here. But you need to, you need to come around and you need to do you need to talk with them? They want to talk to you or they want to see you. And it would have been customary in those days to honor your mother, to, to honor your family and to say, okay, let's take five, time out, and let me go talk with them. But they weren't here just to talk. In fact, if you read earlier in chapter three, you see why they're there. They think he's lost it. <laughs> they, in fact, it says they thought he was out of his mind. And so did a lot of other people. You see, he was, he was doing some unusual things. He was doing some really crazy things. He was healing people left and right. He was casting out demons, and the demons were coming out and saying, you're the son of God. He was disobeying, in their view, many of the laws of the day, the Jewish traditions of Sabbath. And he was stirring up people. And even says earlier in chapter 3 that the leaders, the, they were getting, the leaders of the Jews were getting so amped up about this Jesus that they were planning on a way to kill him. And so they were here to rescue him. To rescue him from himself. To rescue him from going any further in trouble with the leaders. They're saying, let's get him out of here. Let's get him to a place where we can, we can separate him. Where he can be alone. Where we, can, where we can talk some sense into him. And they come with that motive. And so Jesus, rather than stopping and going, he does what he does a lot of times. He uses this as a teaching moment. He uses it as a teaching moment, and he starts it with the way he usually does, with a question, right? <laughs> Jesus, he seems like he always starts with a question. And his question is simply this, who are my mother and brothers, he asked. Now, I don't know about you, but this may have cemented in their minds that he was losing it. <laughs> Wait a minute, you don't even remember who your mother and brothers are? What's going on here, Jesus? He doesn't even know us. But then Jesus goes on in verse 34 and he says this. He looked at those seated in a circle around him. He said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus was giving a new definition a family. Now, not biological family, but of a new, a new community that he would call brothers and sisters. And he says this new community is not defined by blood. This new community is defined by obedience. Whoever does the will of, my, of God is my brother and sister. I love the way Luke, recording this very same instance, he said this, he said, Jesus said this, hear these words of mine, and, and the, the, my definition of family, those my brothers and sisters, those who hear the words of mine and put them into practice. 
I remember in Luke 14, Jesus saying, you know, if you're not willing to hate your mother and brother and father and sister, you're not even willing to be called one of my disciples. You see, Jesus is looking for people who will be, live in obedience to him, who will follow his will, who will take the words of those scripture and will obey them. But Jesus didn't come, and this is what's so important, Jesus didn't come to exclude people. Jesus didn't come to exclude, he came to enlarge the family. Jesus' goal here is to come and to give his life so that all could have eternal life and that this family would grow and grow beyond the, the small group he had, the small group that is in this room here with them. His goal is the family would one day go to the ends of the earth. And so his goal is that this family grow and enlarge. And he says this family This new family are people who will do what the word says, who will hear my words and will do what I say. You know, one of the central teachings of the Apostle Paul, you read throughout his letters, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and then we also read in in Peter 4 that he talks about this new community of Christians Those who follow Christ, those who have received him, believed on him, call him Lord and Savior. And we see him refer to him as them, as this, the body of Christ. We become part with him, but we become part together. Christ is the head, but we are the body. And in 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks a lot about this in verse 27, he says this, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Brothers and sisters, every one of you, every one of you who believes in me, every one of you who've called me Savior, you are now part of this new community, what we might call the family of God, what we might call the body of Christ, as Paul calls it. He says, you are all now part of that body. And it's within this body, within this community, within this group of believers that are now, Jesus says, my brothers and sisters, that we live like Jesus in our fullness. It's in this community that we reflect Christ and we live like him to the greatest extent. And we do this as we read Paul through by ministering to each other, by caring for each other, and he he uses the phrase, by exercising our gifts. By whatever, whatever Jesus, you know... I cannot do everything that Jesus did. In fact, I I can't do anything like he did it. But Jesus served, and I can serve. Jesus healed, and I I can give words of healing and comfort. Jesus taught with authority. I can teach. So we all have these gifts. We all minister in this family. We all care for each other. And we we live like Jesus by exercising these gifts, by caring for each other, by serving each other, by caring for each other. And we do this within the community, within the family. We can't do everything, but we can do some. 
And it's not necessarily, and let me, let me understand this, it's not necessarily what would Jesus do or what would I do if I was Jesus. You know, what would I do if I was Jesus? That's, well, if I was Jesus, I could do a lot more than I could do. The question here is, what would Jesus do if he were me in my shoes where I am today? You are part of the body of Christ. Hopefully today you're here, you believe in Jesus Christ. You are part of this family. You, Jesus Christ, now say, you are my brothers and your sisters. As we minister together, as we exercise our gifts, what would Jesus do if he sat in your seat or if you're at home and you're saying, I'm part of this body of Christ and, and I'm part of it even though I'm distant, what would Jesus do if he was sitting in my chair with my gifts, with what he, uh, he's done for me? What would I do? What would Jesus do if he was in my shoes? I know this. From watching Jesus, from seeing Jesus interact, from last week when we talked about in the, in the upper room, through all through the, the individuals he interacted with, even in that room that day when he's saying, they're not my brothers and sisters, you're my brothers and sisters, I believe that he would interact with them and use his gifts in a way that edify and build up each other. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, where he's talking here in 1 Corinthians, now to each one of you the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. When we come together as the family of Christ, we exercise our gifts for the common good, to build up each other. When Paul writes to Timothy, his young protege, he says in 1 Timothy 1, fan and fan to flame, to flame that gift. Fan to flame, get it going. And in 2 Timothy says, don't neglect the gift. Don't neglect it. We use our gifts to minister to each other. First Peter, the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We all should be using our gifts within the body of Christ, within this new family that Jesus has created to love each other, to serve each other, to take care of each other, to minister to each other, to teach each other, to grow together. That is living like Jesus. When we are doing this in community, we are living as Jesus called us to live. Exercise our gifts. Be part of the community. And Paul, like I say, he says this so many times over and over again. And, and chapter 12 of Corinthians is a great place to study and see the various gifts that he gives. But at the end of chapter 12, at the end of chapter 12, he makes a shift, a big shift. It's like you're driving along and all of a sudden, whoops, and everybody in the car gets thrown to the other side. He says, there's one more point, though. There's something I got to tell you. There's something that's so important, I can't let it go at this. And he says this in verse 31. He says, now eagerly, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Desire them. And yet, and yet, I will show you the most excellent way. He said, when we live together in community, when we are caring for each other and serving each other and teaching and preaching and being the body of Christ, exercising those gifts is wonderful. But there's something better. And he goes on in 13, 1. 
He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship, then I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What he's saying is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of gift you have. It doesn't matter how important your gift is. It doesn't matter how small your gift is. It doesn't matter when we come together who does what. What matters is the spirit you do it in. And that was a message that Jesus taught time and time again. How many times have you received a gift from a family member or a loved one? And maybe it was kind of an odd gift. <laughs> one of those ties, you know, the Father's Day ties that we get that are, um, you're obligated to wear. <laughs> and we all say, what do we say? It's not the gift that matters. It's the thought behind it. Paul is saying here, it's not necessarily the gift that matters. He says this to a group of people in Corinth who were smart people. The people in Corinth were intelligent people. They were talented people. They were gifted people. They just had a problem loving each other. They had a problem loving the body of Christ. They had not died to those self-sins. And when it came to loving their brother and sister, the one who Jesus says are now part of my family, they struggled. They could do things that Jesus did. They could imitate Jesus, but they were imitators. They could imitate, but they were imitators because they didn't possess the love that Jesus had. And Paul says, don't try it without this love. Don't even try it. Two weeks ago, Pastor Eric talked about, a little bit about this. He, he pointed out that, that to love Jesus is to love others. You can't love Jesus and not love others according to Jesus. In fact, he says the first commandment is of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But the, the second is likened to it to love your neighbor as yourself. And what I fear so many times and what I see and what I experience in my life, so I know it's got to be true, <laughs> at least for some people, that sometimes it's easier to love my neighbor Sometimes it's even easier to love my enemy because I just assume <laughs> that they're off, you know, that they're, that they're not liking me. And it's easier, in the story of the Good Samaritan, it's easy to love that person that's been beaten and laying along the road, isn't it? We have empathy for that. We have sympathy. We have pity. It's even easy to love that Samaritan who's different from us because we see him doing good deeds. Sometimes it's easy to love the addict in the gutter 
as we look at them in empathy and sympathy. But love my Christian brother who is a little bit different from me, who has some different views than I do, who walks in disagreement with me, Paul says, don't even bother serving or giving or preaching if you don't have that love. That love is not, we're not talking here the the silly love or the emotional love or the, oh, I love pizza or I love this or that. No, this this is agape love. A love that that is from God. A love that is determined. A love that is committed. A love that we read about and defined in 1 Corinthians 13. A love that's patient and kind. A love that's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of wrong. Does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never, never, love never loses faith. And it's always hopeful. It always endures. It endures through every situation. And that can be tough. That can be tough because in the Christian, in our family, we have family squabbles, don't we? We have family squabbles. We walk in disagreement. And sometimes it's difficult to love our Christian brother because we think they ought to know better. If they were enlightened like I was enlightened, they would think like I think. <laughs> their position on this should be my position because it's the right position. And so we build up walls and, and Paul says, don't let that happen. We need to love in all circumstances or our words are nothing. Our deeds are nothing. They amount to nothing. It's hard to love in those circumstances, but Jesus says we must. In fact, in when Jesus there, after he moves out of the upper room where we were last week, and t- or still in the upper room, talking to his disciples, he's, he's, after washing their feet and after serving the meal, he, he says this in John 15, 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now that's beautiful because it gives us an example. We see, we see Christ, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And we see this, it's an agape love, it's a faithful love, it's a committed love, it's an act of the will. But then he goes on a couple verses later and he says this, my command is this, love each other (laughs) as I have loved you. Ah, God has loved me, so I've loved you. You love each other. When we walk like Jesus, we are loving each other, aren't we? That's what Jesus is saying. We are walking in the body. The love, agape love, begins within the body of Christ. If we can't love those who love Christ, if we can't love those who have committed to Christ, how can we go out and love the world? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Preach it, Jesus. Preach it. (laughs) Preach it. So when it comes to living like Jesus, when it comes to living like Jesus, we need to understand this. To live like Jesus, we must love like Jesus. Okay?
To live like Jesus, we must love like Jesus. Let that sink in. Let that sink in to our souls and to our mind. That for us to really be Jesus, to live like Jesus as we're calling us to do, we need to love like him. Those are his words. Not mine. You know, if people, and let's say this, if fellow Christians know that you love them, they are much more likely to walk with you through disagreements. Did you get that? If, if people know that you love them, they're much more likely to walk with you through disagreements. Because I got news for you, we're not all alike. We're not all alike. Every one of us here are unique individuals with opinions, thoughts, and we need to love each other. We come from different places. I heard it explained to me, uh, or I heard it explained like this recently. I got a, a picture here. This picture is, is of, right back in the middle of our room here. Uh, David is sitting there. Give a wave to us, David. And uh, you can see in the room here, this is our soundboard that he is sta- sitting behind. You know, every one of us are programmed to some extent. Much like a soundboard, we have sounds, we have voices, we have sounds that are loud to us. And sounds that are loud to some people are not loud to others. Voices that are loud to some people are not voices that others even hear. And we come to the church, we come to our faith not like this, with all the knobs down. You notice how all the knobs are down? All the slide, we call them sliders. They're all down, which means they're all off. There's no sound. That's not the way we come to, to, to the community. That's not the way we enter the, the, the community of faith. That's not the way we become part of the family of God. We come more like this, the way the board looked. You know, our, all of these channels have, are different. All of these channels, each one of us, voices or sounds that are loud in our ears might not be sounds that are loud in yours. Let me take you an example. You know I was a CPA for many, many years and had many clients down in the Salem, Ohio area. I would have clients, some would be farmers who were strong men of the men and women of the soil and, and would work the soil. And they, they had different voices. They had different sounds that they heard than the steel worker in Youngstown. The small businessman in Salem, Ohio, who's trying to make a, a difference in, in his community and in his family, would hear different sounds than the union worker. The person involved in education and, and higher education at Youngstown State or even up here in, in some of the great institutions we have here. would have, be hearing different sounds than the mom at home with a family. The sounds, the channels are adjusted for one person that may, may have a strong uh, uh, 
pro-gun position might be very different than the sounds being heard by someone whose family has been the, vi- the victim of gun violence. The sounds being heard in a white rural community is different than the sounds heard by those growing up in Hispanic, black, Asian homes. We all come with our soundboards programmed to what we've heard, what we've been used to. And we come together with soundboards that are mixture boards that are different. But you know what happens as we, as we submit our board, our, our mix, what we hear, as we submit to the body, and as we begin to read the Bible, as we begin to hear each other's stories, we start to make adjustments to that. And maybe this sound we tone down a little bit. Maybe this sound that we never heard before, we start tuning it up. And we start bringing our lives in a little bit closer to, to what Jesus would have us to live and we would bring our lives closer to the community. But you know what? We'll never get to the point where every soundboard is the same. <laughs> Your mix will always be different than my mix. What I hear loudly will always be different than what you hear loudly. Some of the things that I don't hear at all or very lightly, you may be loud in your ears. And when we come together, and when we come together especially on November 3rd and we vote according to our mix, <laughs> we might find ourselves voting differently. We might find ourselves responding to a pandemic differently. But it doesn't mean we do not love because when, if somebody knows that you love them, we can walk together in our disagreements. I don't know about you, but I am concerned about what's going to happen this week. Oh, I'm, I'm trusting Jesus and we're going to pray for our country as we close. But I know one thing. No matter what happens this week, no matter what happens in this election, no matter what happens in the follow-up to it, the church of Jesus Christ must be a body of believers, the, the children of Jesus, the family of Jesus, who love each other through it. We can walk in our disagreements. We can say, I know your board's different than my board. You grew up totally different than I. You've heard things that are different. But we are both coming and conforming as the Holy Spirit works on us. We are conforming more and more and more to to the word and to his will for our lives. And Jesus says, I want you to do his will. I want you to do the word. And as, as 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 we come closer together, we love each other through it all. That's the body of Christ. Jesus says, the Father loves me. I love you. Now you go out and love each other in that same way. No matter your differences, no matter what happens, that's the way Jesus wants us to love. And I pray that in this next week, and not just in this next week, but in this next month, in this next year, that the church, the body of Christ, would be people who love each other even in our differences. Can you love me? <laughs> can, you, can, can you love me in, 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 in the way I am? And I, I'm, I'm always changing as I read the word and as I study and as I'm in small groups, I make little adjustments. I learn something and I tune something down a little bit or I tune something up. Can we love each other? In the midst of his writing about the body of Christ, In Romans 12, Paul says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. 
Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. How do we live like Jesus? We love like Jesus. And that begins here. It begins in the body. It begins in the family of God. Brothers, sisters, <laughs> we're part of this new community that Jesus has called us to. Let's live like it. I want to spend a minute in prayer, a few minutes in prayer, for our nation, for us, for what's going on in our, in our world. Um, I think it would be good if we'd stand together for prayer. And if you're home, maybe you can join us too in standing and just as a, as a, as a, as a statement of honor and, and, and submitting ourselves to God, join us in prayer. Let's pray. Father, today um, we stand on the premises of a, of, a, of a big week. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we know that not only people disagree and parties disagree, but even Christians disagree. So, Lord, we come to you, and we just pray that through this, Lord, we pray, first of all, that your church would indeed be your church, that we would be the light on the hill. And, Father, in the midst of our differences, we would show a love that is so overwhelming, so, so compulsive, Lord, so compelling that it draws all folks to you. And, that, Lord, that our love for each other would point to the fact that we indeed do love you and Lord, how important that is this morning. But, Lord, we pray, we pray, Lord, for peace. Lord, we pray for clarity. And, Lord, we pray that a nation divided, Lord, would through, somehow through this become united. And, Lord, whatever happens, that, Lord, we would pull together and, and Lord, that it would be a time of reconciliation, a time where, Lord, uh, folks from the right and left could come together and, and Lord, work to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Lord, we pray for this pandemic. Lord, it's growing, it seems. And Lord, it's, it's, it, the, the number of cases are growing. Lord, we pray that there would continue to be lower deaths and, 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 and hospitalizations. And Lord, we just pray until then, Lord, until you wipe it out, Lord, that you would, Lord, use this to draw people to you. And Lord, we do pray that you would come and just remove this from our midst. And Father, then that you would, you would show yourself as King of kings and Lord of lords. In whatever way you choose to do it, Lord, we accept that. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we know that there are other things that divide us. There are other things in families. Lord, sometimes it's just personalities. So, Father, I pray that you would help us as we love each other to, Lord, to get over those things and realize that, Lord, they're just tuned a little different than we're tuned. Lord, help us to get rid of the self-righteousness that we are right all the time on everything. Lord, help us to seek you. And most of all, this week, to live like you. And the way we live like you is, to by, lo is by loving like you love. Thank you for the example Jesus, that you gave to us, help us to live in that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, if you wouldn't mind being seated for just a minute.
Well, thank you so much for joining us today here at Friends Church as we worship together. I hope you've been challenged in how you can live more like Jesus this next week and especially in community. In fact, we will have a few questions that will be coming up on your screen in just a minute. I encourage you to take time and read through those, uh, pray about them, answer those, and think about how you may live more like Jesus over this next week. I'll be thinking of this next week. If you'd like to join us in one of our Group Life Zoom meetings, we would love to have you join us Monday night, Tuesday night, all the way through Friday, every night of the week, 7 o'clock. Just go to our website, whfriends.org, click on online groups, and there you can join uh, there the group that's meeting that night as we walk through, pray scripture, the book of Acts. It's been a great time together, and so uh, just join us if you can. Also, we want you to know that we are watching uh, the counties and the state and even the nation and what's going on in COVID, and, and we're making decisions on programming and all of that as we are finding out more information, getting recommendations, getting great counsel. So just continue to stay tuned for everything that's going on, either on our website or maybe an email that would come to you. But as things change, we will let you know. And finally... Of course, you know what this week is. This week is the time that you get to exercise your privilege as an American to vote. So we just want to encourage you, remember, vote. If you haven't done so already, get out and do your civic and national duty to vote. Thank you so much. God bless. Have a great week. Well, thank you so much for joining us today here at Friends Church as we worship together. I hope you've been challenged in how you can live more like Jesus this next week, and especially in community. In fact, we will have a few questions. It'll be coming.